This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, for a while, I wasn't entirely sure if I was even going to talk about last night's The Stone card. I really didn't know. It's been a very crazy night. And all I can say is I am very, very unhappy. So much so to the point where I'm not even doing my normal, regular... Hello everybody and welcome to the Fightful Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Carlos Toro. No, not even in that mood. For those of you who are listening and are not sure why I'm doing this podcast pre-recorded after the event and not doing a live show as I normally do for these big fights, I'm not sure how much I will get into it and I'm not sure how long this rant is going to be because this will be a very, very ranty start to this podcast. All I can say is, for whatever reason, and I have no idea why. So last night, in the middle of the undercard, in the middle of the four-fight undercard that was on YouTube, that was on The Zone, before the main card, the main fights get to start, I schedule out a podcast. It was supposed to be the live stream for the Canelo versus Kovalev post show. As I promised, all the way back in September during the Sean Porter versus Errol Spence Jr. post show. And I said it back then. We're going to have a live show after Canelo versus Kovalev. And I was Full on, I fully intended on making that happen. So I go out and in the middle of the break between fights, I try to make the live stream, I try the, the schedule of the podcast live stream. And let me put this and let me reiterate podcast, not a live stream. Of the fights, not live commentary, nothing shady like that. I will go. Uh, I will read to you what was written in the title: Canelo Alvarez versus Sergey Kovalev review results. Fightful Boxing Podcast. So. Already, does that tell you, does that tell you anything that would insinuate Fightful's doing anything shady? No. No, it doesn't. 
Well, you think maybe the description, maybe it's the description that I maybe I may have written something that wasn't, you know, that may have insinuated we were on to doing something, you know, illegal or shady, and does someone just want to take precautions? No. Here's what I wrote. Here's what is was written on the description for this supposed illegal YouTube stream for a freaking podcast. Fightful's Carlos Toro breaks down the action between Canel Alvarez and Sergey Kovalev. Topics include Canel Alvarez versus Sergey Kovalev. What's next for Canelo and Kovalev? Ryan Garcia versus Romero Duno. Undercard results. Devin Haney's fight set for KSI versus Logan Paul 2. And do you know what the zone did just based on that? Do you know what they did? They deep sixed the podcast. They took down a video that doesn't even exist yet because of a copyright strike. A copyright strike for something that doesn't even exist. Unbelievable, right? They go out of their way and for some reason, and by the way, I had this schedule for 1 a.m. Because they said, well, the zone, the zone said 1220 Eastern is when Canelo versus Kovalev make their ring walks. And I will get into that in just a second. I will get into that. Into the other, into the actual real big elephant in the room. Because, but, but just letting you know. Just remember that time, 12.20 Eastern, because it will be important later on in the podcast. So they go out and give Fightful a copyright strike for this video that doesn't exist and has no The Zone material. Not at all. The thumbnail that you would see is the Fightful logo. Not Fightful MMA logo. Last I heard, Fightful isn't owned by the zone. And Sean Ross Sapp, our wonderful managing editor, reiterated that we are not from the zone. We are not being paid or sponsored by the zone. So we don't have anything. That they uh, we don't have any copyright material or any ability to show any copyright material, except when Bellator show gives us highlights to put on YouTube, because they want to get the word out. They want people to see what happened at Bellator shows, and you know what happens every time we do that when we are given permission from the company itself. The zone takes it down. Baffling, am I right? And what's worse, there was another YouTube channel, and I don't even know who it is, but it was someone who told Sean the exact same thing happened to him. And 
it's amazing. It's, you know, I thought to myself, God, I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on, uh, you know, on a massive tirade as soon as this main event ends. As soon as the main event ends, I'm I'm firing up the Blue Yeti mic, I'm pointing out my headset, I'm firing up my laptop, I'm just gonna go out and just rant about it. But then I thought to myself, no, no, no. I'm gonna get a good night's sleep, I'm gonna wake up in the morning, cooler heads will prevail. Boy was I wrong! Boy could, I could not have been more wrong. Because my guide, I'm still pretty pissed about it. For those listening that are thinking to that that are that work with the zone, can you explain to me what the hell did we do wrong? Because unless you guys literally own Canelo Alvarez, you own the person. Canelo Alvarez, unless you literally own him. How can you even justify going to YouTube and going to Fightful and giving us a copyright strike? How? You can go to Sean Rossap's Twitter, at Sean Rossap, and you can see the the list, the, uh, the, uh, the chat he had with Google support and one of the dumbest and it's like one of the most baffling and dumbest you know chats I have ever read in a very very long time not because of Sean but because of what Google was trying to tell us and he also got a a a tweet from the zone USA help and we got this garbage response And I thought to myself, you know what? Fine. Maybe, maybe, at the end of the day, I thought to myself, maybe, at, we're going to have a great fight. And I'm, maybe I'm just going to forget about it. Or maybe I won't be as mad about it. You know? Maybe the sport itself would have saved me from trying to rant for what has now been 10 minutes and 15 seconds about this. No. Because they have somehow managed to pull off something even stupider than what I just spent 10 minutes ranting about. Even stupider. So for those of you who have no idea what I am talking about, no idea of why I'm so mad about this. Not just of the copyright strike, but also of the zone's absolute boneheaded decisions that they have made in the past week or two weeks ago. So obviously the main event was going to be Canelo Alvarez versus Sergey Kovalev, a fight a lot of people were really excited for. A fight... As we're going to headline what Golden Boy Promotions kept saying was going to headline a stacked card. We have tons of stars 
competing on the undercard. This was great. This is going to be a fantastic night of boxing. We got Ryan Garcia against Romero Duno. We got Sanisa Estrada versus Marlene Esparza. And what ended up being a tremendous women's boxing match. We got the debut of Evan Holyfield. The son of former undisputed champion Evander Holyfield. This night is what's gonna get people talking about boxing. This night was going to take over social media. This is going to, going to take over the world. This night is going to showcase the zone at its absolute finest. What we got was the complete opposite. So, for those of you who didn't really watch the fight, and I don't know if you're how you're listening to this and didn't watch the fight, or at least paid attention to what was going on, but I will digress. I will still break it down. For those of you who may not fully understand what happened. So, as some of you, or many of you may know, because the zone even talked about it, there was a UFC pay-per-view running at the same time as this fight. UFC 244, Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz. Perhaps you heard of it. Actually, I'm pretty sure you've heard of this fight. Because a lot of people were were talking were talking a lot about this fight. It was headlining Madison Square Garden. The Rock was gonna be there. He was gonna he was gonna give the belt of the baddest motherfucker to the winner. And so in the week during fight week, a lot of people were wondering, well, hold on, USC 244, the main event, and. Canelo versus Kovalev. They're going to go head to head. Well, obviously someone's got to choose. Someone has to watch either UFC or Canelo Kovalev. Somebody's got to make a choice in their viewing. Which, you know, has kind of been the case for like 99.99% of the last 40 years in combat sports. Just saying. Kind of been, it's kind of been established that the audience was going to be divided on this, and it's fine. That's that's the that is what combat sports in 2019 has been all about. Three, four big events happening at the same time at seemingly almost every other weekend. So you know what the zone thought. You know what the zone thought was a brilliant decision on their part. A brilliant decision on their part. We're going to hold off the main event of Canelo versus Kovalev just to let the fine people at UFC finish off their thing. Remember the time that I said when the zone said was going to be the walkout times for these fighters for Canelo Alvarez and Sergey Kovalev do you remember the time that i said was going to be the walkout time and the you know the time for both fighters to walk out 12:20 a.m. eastern 
And first of all, that is an incredibly late start for not for the fight, for the ring walks. The fight got underway at approximately exactly 1.20 a.m. 1.20 a.m. is when we heard the opening bell. 1.20 a.m. Eastern. 5.20 a.m. British time. Yeah, I'm just gonna let that one sink in. Your main event started at 1.20 a.m. Unbelievable. They, it, I will say this right now, it was one of the dumbest things I have ever seen in boxing. One of the dumbest things I've ever seen in sports. You basically held the people at the MGM. I was gonna say hostage, but I don't know if that may be going a little too far, but you get the point that I'm trying to make here. We had... It, it's unbelievable. Basically, the zone bowed down to to UFC and ESPN after for so long the sport has always acted as if they are above MMA as if they are much better than UFC as if they are more humane than UFC oh my god you look at these UFC people they are just killing each other these are animals barbaric we are above this. But then you come around and you do something like this and you essentially tell UFC, yeah, 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 no, sure. We'll hold off our event. Yours is way more important. Don't worry about it. It's all good. It's all good. I'm just saying this right now. The Zone were absolute bitches last night. I don't care if I'm burning bridges right here now. I don't care if you, if the Zone, you know, fucking takes me out or anything. I don't care. This needs to be said. The Zone basically told you. The consumer, the fan, the attendee at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. You don't matter. You, because we are, we recognize we are not the priority. We are not the number one thing going on right now. And we don't care about it. And we are perfectly fine being number two. In the middle of this 90-minute wait between the co-main event and the main event, we were treated to, in a, 
a seemingly never-ending number of interviews of people who shouldn't be interviewed about boxing to begin with. They interviewed so many people from, from athletes, like Meta World Peace. They interviewed Meta World Peace to fill the time. Unbelievable. They interviewed former basketball player pa Malice at the Palace participant Ron Artest. Or at least the man formerly known as Ron Artest, now known Man of World Peace. They interviewed him. They interviewed Keith Eidick of BoxingScene.com. And, and God bless Keith Eidick because they finally, they finally gave him a working mic this time around. They finally gave him a good mic. Because the last time Keith Eidick was being interviewed uh, on The Zone, his mic sucked. His mic did not work. Amazing, right? But now, and it's incredible. And like they interviewed everyone. And you want to know? And by the way, I'm not making this up. You can go to my Twitter at CarlosStore360. Go to the media tab. Scroll down, a, you know, just a couple of tweets. You can see Canelo Alvarez and Sergey Kovalev lounging on about in couches when they should be getting ready, when they should be warming up for one of the biggest fights of their respective careers. 30 minute, uh, 20, 30 minutes before they walked in the ring, what are they doing? They're in couches. Why? Because they're waiting for dead UFC to finish up their main event. So we can get on with ours and go ahead and make fun. And those of you who think I'm spending way too much time bashing the zone for this, I don't care. You want to go ahead and, and tell boxing, go ahead and tell the hundreds and thousands of subscribers in the U.S. Tell the fourteen thousand four hundred ninety in attendance, or at least what they said were in attendance at the MGM Grand, go and tell the fighters this was a good idea. It was not. It was one of the stupidest ideas I have ever heard. I have ever seen. It will go down as one of the dumbest decisions in boxing history. I'm just going to say this right now. It will go down as one of the dumbest boxing decisions in history. What's even worse is that the zone for the first like what 10 to 10 months for the first 10 months of their existence do you want to what was the one phrase that they kept pushing on to us at nothing what was the one thing that they kept telling us over and over and over and over and over again Pay-per-view's dead. Pay-per-view is dead. And you wanna and you wanna know what, what happened? 13, 14 months after the zone first launch? They bowed down and surrendered to a pay-per-view. 
and let a pay-per-view dictate how they should operate. What's even worse, it wasn't even a boxing pay-per-view. It was an MMA pay-per-view. And then the zone goes on and has the audacity, the galls, the cojones, whatever you want to say it. They go out and tell Mike Coppinger of The Athletic, Hey man, we got a lot of new subscribers by doing this. A lot of people that watched the Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal fight, they came rushing onto the zone. Then they, we got a ton of new subscriptions. <laughs> As if they thought saying this justified losing all of the goodwill they have had throughout this week, throughout the months. Because they, because the last three months of 2019, this was a fantastic final three months for the zone. Fantastic! We got to see Alexander Usyk's long anticipated heavyweight debut. We got to see Regis Progress versus Josh Taylor, one of the best fights of 2019. We got to see Canelo Alvarez versus Sergey Kovalev. We're gonna get to see. Naoya Inouye versus Nonito Donaire on November the 7th. We're gonna see Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz Jr. They're not even counting some of the good Bellator fights that are going on or some of the smaller um, the zone shows that are actually pretty good. Such as um, Rene Alvarado versus Andrew Cancios. And I got the order wrong, but I don't care. Uh, Andrew Cancio versus Rene Alvarado too. Which I think is going to be a pretty good fight. I think it's going to be a pretty damn good fight. And they even got the damn the Golden Boy Thursday Night Fights finally on the zone. After months of terrible marketing. When they kept putting on the, the zone logo and the zone name onto these shows. But they're never on the zone. They're on Facebook. And they finally put them on the zone. These final three months were, was, were what, what was going to sell so many people on the streaming service and really jumpstart a tremendous, what was surely was going to be a tremendous 2020 for the streaming platform. All that goodwill was lost. I have never seen boxing Twitter be so united for one or on one opinion and that is the 19 minute 100 minute wait between the co-main event and the main event not to mention all of the goodwill it was already losing heading into this week when there was what a lot of conspiracy theorists were saying was the was a, a, a Twitter campaign about talking uh, talking about how great the the zone deal is for a hundred dollar weekend. Ruiz Joshua too, Canelo Kovalev, 
Bro Grace Taylor, and Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz, it's $75 for that fight alone. And it, I believe it was, you know, um, Raging Bay, Michelle Rosado on Twitter, who first started writing, uh, who first tweeted that. And I've interacted with with Michelle Rosado a couple of times. I can't say we're friends, and we've never met in person, but I know she is... But I know she's genuine. She's not fake at all. And she has her own her own opinions. If she thinks the the zone value is so much better than the value of one PBC on Fox pay per view, that's her opinion. But then a lot of people started copy pasting that tweet, and then the conspiracy theorists are out saying this is inadequate. They are trying to take down PBC. And I thought to myself, well, first of all, companies do that all the time where they talk about how great their product is through viral marketing or whatever. And I don't think this was a... And, and I don't think this was uh, some sort of campaign that the zone paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for. I just think that it was one tweet that a lot of people started copy-pasting and then it just caught on fire. I even joked about it. I even joked about it when I had my own I got paid by the zone tweet to talk about how bad Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz 2's price is. I don't even know what I what I have any more left in the tank. We're right now going on almost 30 minutes just on this topic alone. But, The Zone has lost so much goodwill. They're, they had the audacity to even justify this being a good business decision. Because you know what? All the, the, all the subscriptions, or a lot of those um, subscriptions that you, that you gained throughout the night, you're going to lose a lot of them. They only wanted to see Canelo Alvarez, and that's it. They're not signing on for a full year. They're signing on for a month. Maybe sometimes for a year. Maybe some people decide to go for the full year. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a lot of people unsubscribing from The Zone. And you know what? The Zone has no one to blame but themselves. And if 20 years down the line, the zone doesn't fail. And I'm not wishing the zone to fail. I am not. I'm not. I'm just saying a hypothetical. If the zone were to fail, and someone were to write a book about it, this night, November 2nd, 2019, is what planted the seed for the zone's demise. If this ended up, if this ends up being a disaster. Because here's the thing. Here's the, another thing that a lot of people don't realize. UFC basically controlled the zone's schedule for last night. Dana White, and he hates Oscar De Loya. He hates him. 
with a burning passion. Dana White could have easily said, hey Nate, hey Jorge, let's hold off on, on the fight for another 10-15 minutes just to screw with Oscar, just to screw with Canelo, just to screw with the zone, just to screw with boxing in general, just a little bit more. Just to show them who's boss. Because 90 minutes, I mean, what's 90 minutes? How, what about another 10 more minutes? And the zone happily obliged. They even were showing the fight to the people at the They were showing the UFC pay-per-view at the MGM while the people waited. They were showing the pay-per-view. As if it wasn't enough for saying, we, uh, the UFC and ESPN basically owns us tonight. We're gonna give you their product. We're gonna advertise UFC by showing them Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal. And you think, well, Minji, that's nice of them because maybe some people at the MGM were, you know, wanted to see that fight, but they decided to go to Vegas instead. No, no. That's dumb. That's stupid. Because the zone is its own entity. The zone can't just go out and say, "Hey, we we can't do. We don't want to do the. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna wait for you guys. We're gonna do our own thing." And speaking of Rene Alvarado versus Andrew Cancio. That fight's on November 23rd. You want to know what's also on November 23rd? Deontay Waller versus Luis Ortiz 2. Are you telling me that you're going to run head-to-head -head with them and not wait on that pay-per-view? Uh, on that pay-per-view? Because, because if you don't, how the hell are you justifying holding off on this pay-per-view, uh, holding off on the main event for last night for an MMA pay-per-view but you're not willing to do so for a boxing pay-per-view. This pay-per-view is dead. Give me a, give me a fucking break. Pay-per-view is not dead. Pay-per-view has long been called dead. And sure, a lot of people don't want to pay seventy-five dollars. A lot of people don't want to pay seventy-five, seventy dollars, eighty dollars for a pay-per-view. And I get that. And I get that. I don't mind that. I, I, I totally understand that at all, and I apologize if I've been if I've been if my if my mic has like showing a little sta showing some static because I'm just so mad. I'm so mad. Do you know how much money the Zone is paying Canelo Alvarez? Not throughout this entire deal for this fight. For this. Fight. Fight. Not two million, not four million, not five million, not ten million, thirty-five million dollars for one night. One night, the zone is paying Canelo that much money, and that's how much they're paying the zone for every fight until his deal finishes up in what 2024 
if I'm not mistaken, in 2024. Do you know how much money UFC is paying out their fighters for UFC 244 combined? Not 35 million, I can tell you that much. So UFC is more than happy with letting their $35 million investment. My, my mistake, not $35 million. $35 million for the night. Their $350 million investment. Just lounge around in a couch while you have a UFC pay-per-view where the fighters or all the fighters' purses combined aren't even one-fifth of what Canelo was making for the night? Not even a fifth! And they hold more priority over the zone. I'm not saying, hey, look, I may have been ranting for almost 37 minutes now because of the... Uh, you may think that because of this rant that I hate the zone, that I wish the zone would die, I hope everyone in the zone fails, I hope they all lose out of death. No, 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 no. None of that of the sort. I still believe that there is a ton of fantastic fights on the zone, that there is a ton of value in getting a the zone description, uh, subscription. I am not this rah rah. Team PBC, Raw Raw Team Showtime, Raw Raw Team Top Rank, Raw Raw Team Golden Boy, Raw Raw Team Matro, Raw Raw Team Anyone. No. I support, I try to support the sport, not a network, not a promotional company, the sport to the best of my abilities. And I will criticize. When I feel something needs to be criticized. Sure. There might be some things that the zone did right. First of all, some of the, the card itself was not bad. And I will get into the card in a second. But. You go out and you pull this stupid stunt. And then you go and say, well, UFC is... This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's a bigger deal. And we're gonna wait until the main event ends uh, on that card. Fine. You wanna do that? Fine, go ahead. Make millions of people, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people angry. But then you actually go 90 minutes and you don't show anything? You don't show anything inside the ring. 
you basically have people sitting on their hands for 90 minutes. You don't have a swing bout. You don't have, you know, you don't show the replays of anything. You don't say anything special. You don't do anything to at least make it seem like you're trying. We got so many interviews that no one gave a damn about. No one cared about the interview. Now show us something. They didn't. And then you go out and say, well, we got so many new subscriptions. That, I'm just telling you this right now. The zone doesn't really care about the, the zone doesn't really care about the sport itself. At least they showed it like they didn't care. Because when they say when they told Mike Carpenter, we got a ton of new subscriptions. From a business standpoint, sure, sure, you can go out and say it was a good idea. But the execution of this could not have been any worse. Let's be honest. The zone has your money. That is all they care. Really. The, the zone needs subscriptions. They need money. They need to turn a profit. That's why they did this. That's why they they held off on showing the main event for 90 minutes. That's why people had went to go to uh, went to bed around 2 a.m. after the fight. But gosh damn, how could you possibly defend the zone and how they and how they did this? This was indefensible. This will go down as one of the dumbest decisions and one of the most poorly executed business moves in boxing history. It doesn't matter. The ends do not justify the means. They don't. But hey, the zone has your money. The zone has my money. Why do they care? If they show their main event at 12.20 a.m. Eastern or at 1.30 a.m. Eastern, whatever time. Dana doesn't care about boxing. Or Dana doesn't care about the, pe the, the, the zone people itself. He could have just simply told Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal, don't fight for another 10 minutes. And the zone would have happily accepted it. The zone, as I as I just as I mentioned a number to already, multiple times, they have your money. That's all they really care about. Because at the end of the night, they're a business. They're paying Eddie Hearn a billion dollars for the next eight years to show to. Turn a product that makes money. They're paying Canel Alvarez $355 million, uh, $350 million for 10 fights. Because they think that investment is going to ultimately turn into a profit. 
They are not, the zone is not in the business of giving us the best fights. They are in the business of making fun and money through boxing in the United States. If they got your money and they think they saw a spike in subscriptions because of this decision, they will do that again. They will do so with no problems because they think it's a good business decision. Because if they really wanted to just give us the boxing, if they really were just in it for the sanctity of the sport itself, we wouldn't have waited 90 minutes for this main event. That's all I gotta say. So now moving on to this actual fight. To the actual fight portion of this podcast. Alright. So Canelo Alvarez beat Sergey Kovalev by knockout late in the 11th round to capture the WBL light heavyweight title. After the long, long wait. So Canelo come, starts off very, very slow. Just cannot get in range of Canelo Alvarez. And he's doing well. And Canelo Alvarez, the very few times that he had in landing punches in the first few rounds on Kovalev, they were pretty solid punches. They did pretty well. It, you know, Kovalev, his game plan was just jab, 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 jab. Just that. Just use the jab and win the fight on the scorecards and not allow Canelo to do anything about it. And for a while, it worked. It, it really did work. The, the, you know, Kovalev was stepping back. He was throwing the jab. It was a pretty good game plan for the most part. He he won a lot of... He was ahead on a lot of people's scorecards. He was ahead on my scorecard because early on, that jab was really... It wasn't really hurting Canelo Alvarez. It really was not. But what it was doing, it was keeping Canelo Alvarez away from the body. And as much as Kovalev wanted, wants to deny that he he reacts poorly to getting hit to the body, you know, as much as he wants to deny it, that, you know, the fact of the matter is, Kovalev does actually not react well to getting hit in the body. And, and Canelo knew that. So Canelo, the first few rounds, all he did was just try to find a way to just get on the inside and attack Sergei Kovalev. And and I thought and I thought for I thought there was at some point that Canelo Alvarez, who really let's be honest, sometimes doesn't have fast starts. He just doesn't. He'll take the first couple of rounds and just examines fighters and see where to best attack them in the middle rounds. And for a while, that's basically what Canelo was doing. He eventually kind of got into the body, started landing punches. Both fighters started trading uh, decently well, but the crowd was having none of it. The the fight overall was not great. Then Canelo goes on, and he starts to break down Kovalev just a little bit. You can start to see right around the 8th, ninth round that Kovalev is starting to gas out just a little bit. He's not, like, full-blown exhausted, but you can tell the energy level was not the same as it was at the start of the fight. And it, you know, and, and I totally understand it because, look, Kovalev is 36. 
and Canelo is, what, 29 years old? So, obviously, Canelo may not be the bigger fighter, but he's faster. He, at times, he's more aggressive, and he's the stronger fighter. That's what that, that's what last night showed. And, quite frankly, I didn't, I didn't need to see the fight to know that Canelo Alvarez was the stronger fighter. But, Kovalev, he didn't really have much. There were times where maybe he landed he landed the left hook uh, on Canelo's chin a couple of times, and I thought to myself, yeah, maybe it, it's working. It's working well. Uh, but Canelo was not phased at all by Sergei Kovalev. He was not. You know, the, the jabs, for as much as the jab was working in terms of keeping Canelo off of Kovalev's body, he wasn't really landing too many clean shots. He really wasn't. And, and, and because a lot of those jabs were hitting Canelo's gloves, they were like, you know, half of half of the punch was landing on the glove, the other half on, on, on Canelo's skin. So it wasn't really anything, he wasn't getting hurt. It wasn't the same power jab that Kovalev was using against Anthony Yard. I can tell you that that much at the very least. So, obviously, Canelo starts to break down Kovalev. And in the 11th round, Canelo just fires off this beautiful right hook, left hook, straight right hand combination that just immediately drops Sergei Kovalev. He lands, he lands the right hook, lands clean. Then he lands another left hook, like, right around the jaw. And Kovalev is, like, completely hobbled. Like, stunned, hurt, staggered, whatever, whatever you want to say. Then Canelo lands this beautiful straight right to Kovalev's uh, jaw. And he sends him to the, to the ropes. And the fight gets stopped. Kovalev is not out. And there you have it. You have your new WBO light heavyweight champion in Canelo Alvarez. So, obviously, this was a big win for Canelo Alvarez. I think I think this fight, it really did show to me Canelo Alvarez does deserve serious consideration to be number one at the pound for pound list. You know, I, I always thought Canelo was a top five guy, but he won. He did buck the trend of fighters moving up to weight classes to challenge for a world title and fail. Because guy, because we've seen it time, in recent years. We've seen it with Mikey Garcia. We've seen it with Kel Brook. We've seen it with Guillermo Rigondeau. We've seen it with Amir Khan. All move up to weight classes. And fail. And fail spectacularly. Guillermo Rigondo, you know, didn't want to continue fighting against Vasily Lomachenko. Mikey Garcia was completely outclassed by the much bigger and physically stronger Errol Spence Jr. Amir Khan got knocked the F out by Canel Alvarez when Khan moved up to middleweight from welterweight for that one fight. Kel Brook had his orbital bro bone broken by Gennady Golovkin when he tried to 
when he tried to challenge for a world title at middleweight. So, he already bucked that trend. He, already, he knocked out Sergey Kovalev spectacularly. It's not wasn't it wasn't a fight of the a knockout of the year type of thing, but he did knock out and knock him out emphatically. It wasn't that, you know, he Kovalev was hurt and then Canelo was just landing these haymakers and the referee stopped Kovalev uh, and Canelo stopped Kovalev standing. No, he he was down and out. His resume is impeccable. His abilities. You know, very few in boxing today can match it. His his overall skill set, everything, whatever you want to say. His, uh, you know, his desire to want to be great. That's, let's be honest. There's few in boxing that is able to do what Canelo is doing. And... You know, I, I may change my mind by this time next week in terms of my number one pound for pound fighter, but I think I think Canelo might be the guy. I think he might be the number one fighter right now. Obviously, Naoya Inoue, who prior to last night was my number one guy, and you know, and I still think that Naoya Inoue should be like a one A one B type of situation because let's be honest, the the level of ferocious power that Naoya Inoue possesses at those weight classes and his ability to just take out guys, champions, in such quick order on a consistent basis is on a level I've never seen before. I've never seen before. They, there's a reason why they call him the monster. It's because he is legitimately a monster. That He is... His power... And his skill set are unreal. I've never seen anything like it. Then obviously there's Lomachenko and there's Terence Crawford and there's Alexander Uzik. There's a lot of great guys that you can make a case to be number one pound for pound. Listen, those and pound for pound is always subjective. There's no one list that rules above them all. So if you want to say Canelo's your number one guy, okay. You want to say Naoya is your number one guy, okay. You want to say... Lomachenko's your number one guy. That's fine. You know? But you cannot deny Canelo is an all-time great. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. He is one of, if not the best boxer pound for pound today. You cannot deny all of that. You know? And now that he's the WBA light heavyweight champion, to go along with the WBA middleweight title and the WBA regular super middleweight title that he holds... There's a lot of great fights out there. There's, you know, obviously at the light heavyweight division, there's Dimitri Bivol, there's Arthur Berbiev, but, that, you know, I, I don't see Canelo versus Berbiev actually happening. There's way too many stuff that needs to happen in order to make that fight possible, and I just don't think it's going to happen. There's, uh, at super middleweight, there's Calum Smith, there's David Benavides, there's um, Caleb Plant, there's a lot of great guys at 168, Billy Joe Saunders, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of pretty good fighters uh, at 168 and at 160. You know, you still got Jamal Charlo and Demetrius Andre. And there's also the third fight against Gennady Golovkin. Although, you, let's be honest, we'll be fine if we never get to see that third fight. You know, we'll be fine if that fight never happens. And it's fine. But, 
Canelo Alvarez is gonna have to fight one of these dudes next. Uh, you know, he's got time. Cinco de Mayo's not for another five months, and I'm pretty sure the Zone will push Canelo Alvarez to fight on November uh, on May, on Cinco de Mayo weekend 2020 against who? That really remains to be seen, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and try to make uh, an in-house fight just to get, uh, you know, not an easy fight, but make a fight that's easy to make possible. It could be against Andre, but now but my concern is whether or not Dimitri, uh, Canel Alvarez can actually drop 15 pounds to fight at, at middleweight. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know. I don't actually. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna go that route. Mikey Garcia was faced with this, with a similar type of situation, where he lost to Errol Spence, but he spent so much time bulking up and building his physique to be a welterweight that you he can't just simply tone down his body and go to lightweight immediately. He can't. It's not that he doesn't want to. Because I'm sure if he could, he probably would be at lightweight still. But the fact of the matter is, Mikey Garcia can't go to lightweight next. Or at least can't go to lightweight for a very long time. And it's possible we may just see something similar with Canelo Alvarez. Where 15 pounds from one fight to the next might be a little too much for Canelo to lose. So he might just go to 168. And face a guy like Billy Joe Saunders. We'll see what happens next week with, you know, with Billy Joe Saunders and his next title defense on the KSI vs. Logan Paul 2 card. Which I gotta say, this card is really shaping up to be uh, something. I don't know if it's gonna be a train wreck. I'm sure a lot of people think it's gonna be a train wreck. I don't know, but it's gonna be, you know... Very interesting to see. So, Kovalev, you know, I don't know what's next. Maybe maybe they can build Kovalev up with with a couple of wins and have him fight Artur Better BF. Or even Alexander Vostek. I think that those are two pretty good fights for Kovalev. But I think at this point in time, I think Kovalev is starting to show, you know, he's not, he's not going to be able to... Hang, hang tough against some of these younger fighters. He showed it in Anthony Yard when Anthony Yard, who didn't even spar for that fight, uh, nearly stopped him. Canelo Alvarez knocked him out. Knocked him out. This it's now, it's now three fights in which Kovalev has been stopped in the last two and a half years. So. I don't know what I, I don't think Kovalev is gonna retire, but I think Kovalev will certainly need a couple of fights to get back on that on that saddle, to get back up on that horse and fight for a world title. And really, the only the only fights that can be made for you know for Kovalev in house for top rank is better be up in Bostic. But I'm sure, but I'm sure Kovalev would prefer Better BF because you know those are two world titles. It maybe maybe you can make the fight against Dimitri Bivol possible. We've been waiting on that fight for a long time, so I don't know if that fight can be made. But I, I am certainly really really excited for that fight. Uh, for whatever big fight Kovalev has next, is he still he's still a quality quality light heavyweight? He's just not 
the Crusher Kovalev that we spent years and years watching. But if this year has shown anything is that Kovalev was not is no longer the Crusher. He is a smarter fighter that utilizes his jab a lot more and is being trained by Buddy McGirt who has done an unbelievable job with Kovalev inside the ring. Just unbelievable job. Buddy McGirt has essentially revitalized Sir Kovalev's career after the two losses to Andre Ward. Just just fantastic. Just a fantastic job he's done. After the, after the two losses to Andre Ward and the first loss to Elder Alvarez. Forgot, forgot about that fight. So you so move on to the undercard results. Ryan Garcia versus Romero Duno. He knocks him out in the first round. This was... I gotta say, I'm very surprised to see this fight end the way it did. But you know what? Ryan Garcia... Man... I've said it in the past. I'll say it again. I never thought... For a long time, I did not think Ryan Garcia was anything special. I thought he was being overly hyped by Golden Boy Promotions. But... But when he started linking up with Eddie Reynoso and we started bringing in Canelo Alvarez as his mentor slash big brother, Ryan Garcia has matured tremendously inside the ring and he has grown significantly as a fighter. And I saw that in that first fight against Braulio Rodriguez. I saw that and I thought to myself, I can kind of see where the hype is coming from. I can kind of see. I don't fully see it yet. I kind of see it. You fast forward to last night, and he knocks out a guy where a lot of people thought, oh, he could give Ryan Garcia a lot of trouble. This could be his toughest fight yet. I thought this was Ryan Garcia's toughest fight. And Ryan Garcia stepped back, used his right hand. By the way, that's a fast right hand. That's a really fast right hand. He made sure Romero Duno didn't get to the body. It was kind of like a Shakur Stevenson type of situation where, um, where Shakur didn't want to let Joet Gonzalez get to the body. So he just used his length and speed and footwork stepping back and just having no problem outboxing Joet Gonzalez that way. But the difference here is Ryan Garcia is emphatically knocked out Romero Duno. I find a lot of people saying, you know, prior to this, Ryan Garcia's ducking Romero Duno. You know, he's afraid of Romero Duno. And he goes out and he knocks him out in two minutes. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The sky is the limit for Ryan Garcia. I, I, I am fully on board Ryan Garcia. Guy, guy's got superstar potential. The guy has a, a lot of growing to do. But with Eddie Reynoso and with Canel Alvarez, he's going to grow to be an even better fighter than we saw than what we saw last night. Even better fighter. And that's what I'm excited about. The sport needs its superstars. And Ryan Garcia is a potential superstar in the making. Do I think he's going to get a world title shot next year? No, because that, that lightweight division is crowded. And even Ryan Garcia will tell you, you know... I'm not ready for Devin Haney. And I don't think he's ready for Devin Haney. I think Devin Haney would, would beat Ryan Garcia. And kudos to Ryan Garcia for his growth as a fighter inside the ring. We can talk about the um, outside the ring issues at another time. But that's really none of my business 
what's going on in Ryan's private life because I don't want to discuss that because that's Ryan's business and Ryan's business alone. But as a fighter, I'm pretty damn impressed with what he has shown in the last 12 months. Really, really damn impressed. And what may be the best fight of the night, Senisa Estrada versus Marlon Esparza for the interim WBA female flightweight title. This was a rare fight in which you saw... Um, this was the rare the, the rare three minutes per round for a women's fight that we almost... I think that this is the second time I've seen one, like, live. I'm You know what? I'm pretty sure I may have seen... Um, I'm, I've seen other women's fights go three rounds, but not off the top of my head. If I, you know, if I remember correctly, I, I think there was an Amanda Serrano fight that was that was three minutes per round, if I remember correctly. But needless to say, the three minutes per round allowed Estrada and Esparza to really, really give us a really good all-action fight from the start. These two women have a ton of bad blood between each other. This has been a fight that's been brewing for weeks. And a rivalry that has been building up for a very, very long time. And they did not disappoint. They gave us a hell of a fight. They, you know, Estrada was landed left hook real good from the opening. Esparza, for, for a lot, for long periods of the fight, was hanging in there toe-to-toe with Estrada. But, the, just a couple of rounds into the fight, there was, I believe, an accidental headbutt. And then Esparza's forehead just splits open, just... This horrible gash, like, like one of the worst um, cuts I've seen this year, this side of Badu Jack. And blood just starts pouring out. And it's really, really bad. And it's amazing how Esparza was allowed to continue fighting. But, you know, kudos to Esparza because she is a damn warrior for being able to fight for that. It's, and it was... Simply something to behold. So after the ninth round ended, Esparza was approached by Robert Bird. And Robert Bird asked Esparza, can you see? And this, and I could have sworn, I, I swear I heard Esparza say no. In response to, I can't, uh, to the question, can you see? And the fight gets stopped. There was a lot of confusion as to whether or not the fight was going to go to the scorecards on a technical decision or it was going to go on a uh, or it was going to be a TKO win for Cindy Sistrata. Even though the even though it was I'm pretty sure a lot of people would would say yeah that yeah that, you know it wasn't because of the, the the cut was not because of a punch it was by accident, elbow or, or head, but it, either way, it was an accidental. It was accidental co- contact that caused a head uh, that caused this horrible, horrible cut. And if you're squeamish, I recommend not going out of your way to check out the the cut because it is that bad. So there was a lot of confusion, at least from the, the zone team. But like it, a lot of people, kind of already understood that it was because of an accidental headbutt. So I don't know why it took them so long to even decide. But nonetheless, they go to a technical decision. Sinisa Estrada wins 
80-81, This is a really good fight. The scores did not give this fight justice. I, you know, if you want, if you're a fan of women's boxing and you haven't seen this fight yet, I recommend go out and watch it. I don't know if you want to call this the best women's fight of the year because I don't think it is, but but you know what? This is still really fun, and I would not mind if they run this back because. Uh, after the fights, Sinisa and Serrano and Marlon Esparza, they showed they're the bad blood between the two of them. Not done. It's not over. So, you know, if you want to put this fight uh, as the main event of a zone card, of a Golden Boy card, I don't think anyone will really complain because these two women gave us a lot of good action and I think a lot of people, as I predicted, as I predicted, I thought this fight was going to be great, and it ended up being great. Uh, and, you know, if they run it back, I don't think anyone would would or should complain about it. Blair Cobbs versus Carlos Ortiz for the NABF welterweight title. Uh, Blair Cobbs, the charismatic, pro-wrestling-loving boxer. Uh, obviously, he is one of the funnest welterweights to watch. Uh, today, uh, but Blair Cobbs had a lot of trouble early on. He got he got dropped by Carlos Ortiz in the very first round, and and Blair Cobbs he was so out of it when he got knocked out that when the fight when the round ended, he was walking to the wrong corner. So obviously there was already some concern there. Some people thought uh, Blair Cobbs might get stopped, the high train might get derailed, but no, Blair Cobbs. He kept fighting, he kept fighting, eventually broke down Carlos Ortiz, and then landed this beautiful combination of punches and just finished off Carlos Ortiz in the sixth round, and Blair Cobbs retains the NABF title. So, obviously, I have a ton of respect, and I'm a big supporter of Blair Cobbs, but this fight once again showed me Blair Cobbs is going to be in some real damn good fights. He's going to be in some really fun fights. No matter who it is. No matter who it is. But. The talent is there. But that's all we see. Raw talent. There's nothing polished. There's nothing pretty about it. Blair Cobbs is a prospect through and through. Because I don't see... There's a lot about Blair Cobb to love. He's exciting. He can knock people out. He can stop people. But he leaves himself way too open for a lot of people's liking. And I know some people might think he's a little over the top with his antics. I don't. I personally love Blair Cobb's. I think he's tremendous. And I said it on the podcast uh, on Friday... I'll say it again. Blair Cobbs is one of, is my opinion one of the my ten favorite welterweights to watch. Not ten favorite welterweight prospects to watch. Ten favorite welterweights. Period. But there's a lot of growing to do for for Blair Cobbs, and it's gonna be some great fights. But there, at times, it almost feels like Blair Cobbs fights down to his competition, and that's not gonna fly. Uh, later on in his career, but for now he can get away with this kind of stuff. But he's done pretty well, and uh, you know, Blair Cobbs, he's gonna be a star. 
Whether or not he's going to win a world title is completely different, but he's going to be a star. I mean, this, this guy is too charismatic and engaged in too many fun fights for him to not be a star. Rest of the undercard results, Evan Holyfield defeated Nick Winstead by TKO in like 16 seconds. Uh, Evan is Evander Holyfield's kid, making his pro debut. Uh, he let he lets his hands go from the very beginning, drops Nick Winstead, and the fight is stopped. Really, not much to say there. Good, good, good outing for Evan Holyfield, but I learned nothing from this fight. Background: Mortasaliev defeated Jorge Fortea by unanimous decision, 120-108, to win an IBF Junior Middleweight Title Eliminator. Uh, Jorge Fortea. You know, I thought the scores were a little unfair to Jorge Fortea, but to be fair, the Fortea didn't really do much in this fight. He landed some really good counter punches that staggered Bakram Murtasaliev a couple of times, but that's really all he did. Murtasaliev was far more aggressive. He he controlled the pace throughout the entire fight, and you know, for, for there's there's no controversy here. Fortea. May have done some damage to Murtasaliev in the very few chances he did, but there's really not much to see from here. Uh, Murtasaliev is now the mandatory challenger to the IBF title being held by Julian J. Rock Williams, but I don't know when that fight's going to be ordered. I don't, need, I don't even know if it's going to be ordered this year. Uh, next year, I meant to say, 2020. So that's something to watch out for. Tristan Kalkruf versus Tuan Smith. Uh, Tristan is 17 years old and Tuan Smith is 32 years old. So there's already, oh, there's already a, a an interesting storyline to go from there. Tristan uses his athleticism to control the action. Uh, there was a one moment in the fight where Tuan Smith landed this really good right hook to the chin of, of Tristan right around the end of the third round. But Tristan, he ate that like a man. And... And he really, he dominated the rest of the fight. You know, not much to say there. He's a young, uh, young prospect who's still really growing into his body. He's 17 years old. We're not really going to get to see what he's really made of until maybe five years from now. Because he's only 17. He's still a growing, he's a teenager for God's sake. So, uh, there's still a lot to, there's still a, a lot to be said about. Tristan Kalkruf. Uh, Maydim Nursultanov defeated Christian Olivas 190 all across the board to win the WBC, US, NBC middleweight title. Um, a lot of people see Nursultanov and they think, you know, middleweight, he's from Kazakhstan. Is he like Triple G? He's not. He's not, doesn't have the same killer power, doesn't have, you know, the tenacity that Golovkin has. He does make that up for his ability to control the action and control the rhythm of the fight and establish his game plan early. And, you know, you know he wasn't really going to stop Christian Olivas because Olivas is a very tough fighter. And he's faced competition similar to Nusultanov. He's fought... He's fought Guys like Bilal Akaway, and he's been able to go the distance. He's lost now six times, but he's never been stopped. So I, I did not think that this fight was going to end inside the distance. I thought that we were going go to go to the scorecards and your Sultanov was going to dominate. So not much to say from there. Back to Mir, Melik, uh, Melikusiev defeated Clay Collard 
by TKO round four. Uh, you know, dominated the fight, uh, but not much to say there. So, this was overall not a bad show. It wasn't. Okay, so let's, let's take out the controversy surrounding the main event and the long wait that we had. Let's just remove that for a quick second. This was not a bad show. It really was not. But there's nothing spectacular. There like there's a lot of good highlights about it. Blair Cops is another really good fight. Uh, Cindy Estrada and Marlene Esparza lived up to the hype. Ryan Garcia lived up to the hype. We saw Evan Holyfield knock the dude out in 16 seconds. There's a lot of really good stuff on this card. Um, will this end up being one of the best boxing shows of 2019? Absolutely not. Because this main event, my God, I don't know. You know, I don't know if the Zone is going to do this practice in the future, but people, but this, but it lost a lot of goodwill from the boxing community. I'm just gonna leave it at that. So that about wraps it up for this edition of the Fightful Boxing Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at CarlosToro360. If you're listening on YouTube, leave us a review. We really do appreciate that. Your feedback, it helps us a lot tremendously with our visibility. Head on over to Fightful Select, our Patreon, you know, helps support the side. We have tons of exclusive news especially from the pro wrestling side sean rossap does a tremendous job our you know our managing editor one of the best in the business of pro wrestling journalism say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Head over to Fightful.com for all the latest news in boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. From the Fightful Boxing Podcast, I'm Carlos Toro, signing out.